You're listening to Expanding Horizons, the podcast of the Unitarian Church of South Australia, a home of progressive spirituality and free religious thought and action since 1854. The views expressed in these podcasts are those of the speaker and are not intended to represent the position of the church itself or of the worldwide Unitarian Universalist movement. For more information, visit unitariansa.org.au. everyone. Welcome to the chaos. I do want to acknowledge that we're on the traditional lands of the Ghana people and we respect their elders past and present. A few notices to begin with, but importantly please stay for lunch that has been prepared by the young people at the end of this service. So everyone's welcome to stay and I think just about everyone has brought in wine that they pledged for the Catherine Helen Spence oration that's happening on the 9th of November. That'll be a wonderful event in the city. Uh, If you haven't, then if you could bring that to the church office. This Wednesday, meditation is on 5pm here for those who wish to take part. If you want to try it and you haven't taken part before, please send me an email or call me up and I'll explain more about what it involves. Next Sunday, importantly... For those who regularly attend, I won't see you here next Sunday. But if you go to Shady Grove, just outside Littlehampton, you'll see me there. So there is an 11.30 service there. Not 10.30, but 11.30 service at Shady Grove, combined service, next weekend for those who wish to make the trek in their cars. And uh, nothing is on here next Sunday morning. Some of you may have known Wendy Inglis, who attended this church after her mother Mavis attended this church for many years. There's a memorial service on Wednesday the 8th of November, 2.30pm, here. So Wednesday, 8th of November. It'll be in the notices, but I just bring it to your attention. Just briefly, um, it is possible to make financial contributions afterwards in the foyer if you wish. And now as a customary part of our service, I like this flame, which can represent many things. But today, I make the observation that the flame is an excellent symbol for human life itself. Because the flame, while it is a light, appears to be one continuing thing, but in fact it is made up of endless manifestations as particles are subsumed in the flame, transformed and released. And that process goes on for as long as the flame is alight. Such is life. For all of humanity, there is something special about the threshold of adolescence. As one begins the path to adulthood and we have 
six special young people this morning who have undergone some special challenges and are here to celebrate and report on those this morning. So uh, Brendan is going to play some lovely music as we first of all introduce everyone and remind everyone of these wonderful young people and their journey through the church. So this will play for quite some minutes. I hope you enjoy. And thank you, Kudzia, for preparing. big thank you to Kudzia for preparing that and thank you Brendan for some impro on the spot that was beautiful and uh, now Brendan would like to continue with a song he's prepared for us today feature of the Young Men's Challenge. So James and Paolo, here we go. James and Paolo to come up the front here because they're special and James and Paolo I've got a couple of questions to ask you but no trick questions yeah take a seat so first of all we've seen uh, you were out kayaking there perhaps you could both tell us a bit about that challenge and, and how it went so we asked to kayak around Delphin Island and it was seven kilometres long and we had couple of breaks and it was pretty hard on our arms. How was it for you, Paula? Uh, yeah, it was alright. <laughs> Very succinct young man. Um, and reflecting on the, uh, the slides we saw earlier about your many years of involvement mucking around here and at Shady Grove, um, what have you learnt from all that, do you think, James? Um, I've learnt that we're bigger than ourselves, we're part of something bigger than ourselves. 
That's a beautiful thought. Thank you. And Paola? Yeah, basically what James said. <laughs> Paola, have you, have you enjoyed it? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, I know that you've learned a bit about the, the seven principles that Unitarians promote and hold up. Um, what do you think is special about that? Or what, what of the principles do you think will help you through life? Um, I think for me, caring about the earth and everyone and everything on it. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, peace. Thank you. Really sums it all up, doesn't it? So, thank you, young men. I think you would be very relieved, probably, to go back to your seats in the, in the congregation. So, I'll let you do that. We're about to go into a feature of the Young Women's Challenge, which was uh, very substantial, following the traditional Pioneer Women's Trail, which goes right through the hills and ends up in the eastern suburbs, which would have been done with big loads of stuff, I suppose, in the, in the 19th century. But they've done it again. So Kate's going to take us through that slideshow. Thank you. I wasn't organised enough to have automatic rotations. So we've got the old school up here. Not only did the girls do the Pioneer Women's Trail, but they actually did, I think, about eight kilometres extra because we started at Shady Grove. So we started at Shady Grove with Amelie and Sophie and Ellie, and unfortunately, Anara was very, very ill on the day of it, so she was sorely missed. And then different women joined us for each of the six legs. So Miranda joined us on the first leg, and we had a start off here, and we stayed behind, and the girls followed the maps and safely found their way to the Cedars for Hans Heisen. Then the next leg was not our favourite because unlike in the olden days, there's a lot of roads there now. And this is where the actual Pioneer Women's Trail started, halfway through our second leg. And we loved seeing the markers and the llamas. <laughs> and throughout this whole thing, we had a bit of a guardian angel, which was Jenny, who had mapped out everything. She was at every single checkpoint. And when we least expected it a little bit, we felt like we are on a reality TV show with a, um, a host. Their Where's Wally would pop up and see how we're going. She was very easy to spot. And we were very happy to get back to the creek. And... Bridgewater Mill, which is where Bethany um, left, and Catherine stepped in and joined us. And, and this is, do you mind if I share this, Emily? This is where Emily's planned to get married. Um, she's found her wedding venue as part of the book. <laughs> and then we did make it into Woodhouse. Emily just showed unbelievable grit because I think for quite a long part of the last bit she was walking on a strained ankle but she would not let us get a car to come and pick her up and she made it in but we decided she couldn't do the next day. But she had done 18 kilometres of walking so it was a phenomenal effort. So well done. <laughs> We did have a campfire that night, but that was really just for the women who were there, so that's not part of this. The next leg, we started with Catherine again to Stirling, and even though Anara wasn't there, we were thinking of her and seeing her in the street signs as we walked. 
Wally swapped to green stripes for the second day and we had a lovely pit stop here. Then up to Mee's Day's Lookout and luckily one of my friends who's a STEM teacher could come which provided great mentoring because our girls are pretty hot on STEM and she could give them lots of advice for the future. We kept on walking <laughs> and then for our final leg at Mee's Day's Lookout, um, Kutsia joined us as we went along the Bullock Track and Kutsia probably didn't have as fun a one because by then the three of us who'd been walking the whole way went... We, we just wanted to walk, <laughs> so <laughs> we wanted to get there. This was near the end in the very bushless Mount Osmond Golf Course and we'd done a really good job following the maps until possibly this moment in time. <laughs> but who knows, maybe taking the road less travelled teaches you lessons as well. And we even saw snakes on our less travelled route and, and made it to the end. So thank you, Emily, Ellie and Sophie. Your persistence, your care for one another, your patience with my slow going really show that you're going to be wonderful young women who not only have the brains and grit to take on any challenge that life throws at you, but also the compassion to lift up others to greatness alongside of you. And I feel like our future is really bright with fabulous women like you guys to help lead the way. Wonderful. And I, I should say thank you to James' father, David, for helping with PowerPoint in relation to the Young Men's Challenge. And thank you, Kate, for helping with the PowerPoint in relation to the Young Women's Challenge. And could we please have the young women up the front? We'd like to meet them, hear a little bit from them. Wonderful. So I'll, perhaps I'll give you the microphone and first, anyone who wants to answer it, you might have to pass the microphone along. I'd like to hear about what was the, the best thing about the walk for those who were on it. I loved the campfire at the end because it really felt like a really connecting moment and I felt like that I had a big community surrounding me. And I love fire and the smell of fire is super good. <laughs> For me, the best part of the walk was probably the first leg and the excited <laughs> selfies we took when we finally reached our first turning point, oh, yeah. even though there were no street signs and we got a little bit lost, but we, yeah. we got there, so that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I really like that. Second best bit of the first leg is when we, got, we saw the sign pointing saying that we were on the right road. I am very happy I forgot to turn my camera off for that. It meant that I got the recording of us being really excited that we could follow maps. <laughs> the campfire was really awesome. We Red Cacao was incredible. And it was awesome. And Ellie, it was while, great. while you had the microphone, what was the hardest part about it all? I mean, it was a very long walk. <laughs> that sums it up. <laughs> that's all I what say. A, yeah, well, what? Probably my least favourite section was... The second one with all the roads and we weren't talking at all and we were just walking down a really busy, ugly road in silence with nothing to do. So, you know, fun. <laughs> and uh, Amelie, what, what about for you? What was the hardest part of it? It was probably the last leg of the first day because it was getting pretty difficult by then. And though it was really up and down, you kind of just wanted it to end. <laughs> and what about Sophie? Probably the last leg or the freeway. Because at the last leg, we had gotten a bit lost, and then we saw the snake, and I just wanted to get there, so I started running. 
I just I just ran. I wanted to get there. I wanted to finish. <laughs> and I noticed doing Sophie sort of wind, doing wind-down exercises when she finally got to Hazelwood Park as well. So oh, yeah. Full, yeah. Still full of energy. Now, <laughs> perhaps I could ask a question to Anara. It's about uh, a longer period of time, like we saw earlier with those earlier photographs. What do you think you've learned from your time here with Unitarians and your friends I, here? I actually have a little... I actually have the question, to, the answer to that question already in my phone, actually, if you want me to read it out. Brilliant, yes, okay. yes. Because then I... It's, it's like those people at okay. the Academy Awards that say, oh, this is a complete surprise, <laughs> I have a, a speech ready. Um, <laughs> uh, something special I've learned is how to treat everyone with the same respect as you would want to be treated, how to care for nature, like our little talks at Shady Grove and weeding and stuff, how to look into a situation with an understanding and respectful eye, as that was something that we got taught at Sunday Club at a very young age, especially. So, yeah, that's some that's very special things some I've learned. Very beautiful thoughts. Thank you. Perhaps the others would also like to answer that question. Well, I really learned how to be grateful at Shady Grove especially. I loved the candle and the chapel and just learning about, like, seeing the world around you as a better place and just being grateful for everything that you have. That's lovely. Thank you. I learned and I'm still learning how to appreciate myself and who I am as a person. And I definitely look up to the adults we have around us who I think really embrace their unique personalities <laughs> in the best way possible. I love you all. Amelie, I think you could be a future diplomat. Thank you. So, what about Ellie? I've learnt about gratitude. Something we do at the start of every Sunday club is go around a circle and say things you're grateful for. And I think it's just really helped me when things are being really rough and hard just to keep on going. And Because if I hadn't done that, I probably wouldn't have been able to see that, frankly, what seems really horrible to me isn't really much compared to what other people in the world are going through. That's a really good perspective. Thank you. Very mature. While you're there, Ellie... I know that you've all learned about the seven principles of Unitarians and we've got them actually displayed in the church here somewhere. But what, what stands out for you? What have you learned? What will you remember going through life? So I think one of the main ones is the seventh principle, which is about caring for the environment because all species are interconnected. And I think that's really important because if we don't care for it, human existence will just be so much worse more challenging and so many incredible animals and plants and stuff just won't be around anymore and I think that would be really sad. That's very finely expressed, thank you. For me the most important principle is probably respecting that we're all part of the web of life and that despite our different opinions or different ways of looking or the way we dress or personal choices, we're all connected and we should all respect one another because of that. Excellent. Thank you. I also wrote something down. Gen Z. Um, <laughs> I really liked the fourth principle, a free and responsible search for meaning. Because I feel like that the truth can be found anywhere and in anyone and in anything, and it changes from time to time. And I know that it definitely has changed now that I've grown up a lot. I feel like that the meaning and truth for me is to see the love around you and 
to really grow in it and to make your decisions based on love. Brilliant. Thank you. And Inara? Yes, I also have something written down. Mm -hmm. I believe that the first principle, the inherent worth and dignity of every person, is the one that stands out to me the most and I will use it into my life because I believe that if you go forth in life and you always look at people with kindness and respect, that holds way more advantages into being happy and having a happier life and I will try and apply that as I enter my life here. It's beautiful. Thank you. So, big round of applause for the boys and the girls. If you want to sit down, that's great. Look, I'm going to be saying a few words later on, but to be honest, you've heard the message today, actually. <laughs> that was just wonderful, hearing about the importance of respect for nature, for each other, and the fact that truth can be found anywhere and in anyone, very beautifully expressed by our young people. Jenny has a lovely reading that flows on from that. This is Some Wishes for You. The author of it is Charles S. Stephen Jr. And I read it at the campfire and it resonated. And so I thought I'd share it with the entire congregation. And it's really written from an adult's point of view. Okay, Some Wishes for You. I wish for you a troubled heart at times, as woes of world and friend come close beside and keep you sleepless. I wish for you the thrill of knowing who you are, where you stand, and why. Especially why. Not prosperity, but dreams I wish for you. Not riches, but a sense of your own worth, I wish for you. Not even long life, however proud we'd be to have it so, but life that is crammed with living, hour by hour. And love, I wish for you. May you give it frequently. I wish for you solitude in the midst of company, and a mind full of company within your quiet times. Full today's, I wish for you, and full tomorrow's. Thank you, Jenny. And following on from our good wishes, what we have done is selected some jars with the young people's names on them to have up at the table at the front. And handed out has been a series of cards and something to write with. So after the service, we're inviting you, if you wish, to write a message for any one of the six uh, young people that you've met today and to just fold it and pop it in one of those jars. It's more appropriate just to leave it in the jar and adults will actually have a look at that before passing it on to the children rather than passing it on to them directly. I'm sure you appreciate that. But uh, have a think about that during the service or after the service. And while we're waiting for lunch, perhaps you might like to come and give them a message of love. Now, let us sing a hymn, Children of a Bright Tomorrow. Is it 202? I have the words up on the screen.
stand. Now a regular part of our service is to uh, light a candle if we have a joy or a concern that we would like to share with the congregation. And I'll light the first candle and I think it's easy to guess what joy I might express at having our young people present themselves today and the, to, to learn and remember the journey they've been on is truly a joy. We're very grateful that they've come along today to present to us. Would anyone else like to light a candle for a joy or consent? Jan Thank you, everyone. There is much to be gained from expressing ourselves. There is also much to be gained in silence. Now I invite Grant to come forward with a beautiful little poem from Khalil Gibran. Do not live half a life, and do not die a half-death. If you choose silence, then be silent. When you speak, do so until you are finished. If you accept, then express it bluntly. Do not mask it. If you refuse, then be clear about it, for an ambiguous refusal is but a weak acceptance. Do not accept half a solution. Do not believe half truths. Do not dream half a dream. Do not fantasize about half hopes. Half the way will get you nowhere. You are a whole that exists to live a life, not half a life. I was going to read out a passage of Shakespeare in the play Hamlet, I think just about everybody's heard of that, there's a scene in which Polonius gives advice to his son Laertes as he's heading out on a voyage. And there's a lot that's very worth hearing in it. But there's one particular phrase which has become really quite famous, even a cliché, to thine own self be true. I mean... Thine is the old-fashioned language, of course. To your own self be true. And it's possibly the most essential way of summing up the message that I would want to give the young people here today. You are really embarking on a journey, and if we have to put a figure on it, something like over the next 10 years, you're going to be finding yourself so what does this mean to be true to yourself, to find out who you really are? It's acknowledging that there is something deeper within us. Poetically, we say something in our heart that if you follow, you will find self-fulfillment. Like a lot of spiritual things, it's easier to say what it isn't than what it is. So it's not about being right all the time. It's not about being selfish either. To explain that, I talk about the ego and the self, or some people would say the ego and the soul. Now, whether psychology is just a modern mythology or not, I'm, I'm not going to rule on that. But if it's useful, then it's worth thinking about. More than 100 years ago, 
psychiatrists started talking about the ego, the human ego. And it's that part of ourselves that adapts to the world and tries to get stuff from the world that we want. Babies start off with a pretty basic means of communication. Want something? Scream, cry. And hopefully a parent delivers whatever it is. Food, wiping, whatever. But we actually continue that behaviour and our screaming and crying takes more subtle forms as we get older. But we do try and persuade others to get us what we want. But often it's the ego. There's a very simple rule for the ego. Get pleasure, avoid pain. Now, you can understand the evolutionary reason for that, <laughs> especially the avoiding pain part. But the problem is that the ego, therefore, is thinking in the short term about the immediate environment. What can I get that's pleasurable? What can I avoid that's dangerous or unpleasant? But real maturity depends on delaying gratification. It means that you can work for years towards something and the satisfaction and the fulfilment might be way down the track after putting in the hard yards, the hard work, whether it's as an athlete or a university student or a professional or whatever. The greatest rewards in life come after delayed gratification. Unless you're lucky enough to win the lottery or something, but really, you can't rely on that. So you're going to be developing your desires, but there will always be an opportunity to think of your deeper self and what is really going to lead to your self-fulfillment. It's not just having some sugar on top of the cereal. It's not just a coffee hit. It's not just going out to see a fun movie. There's obviously something more substantial in life that will give you long-term, lifelong satisfaction if you can achieve that self-fulfillment. Now, there's a catch involved, and it's very difficult for teenagers especially to resolve this particular problem because we're constantly getting messages from other people from parents, from teachers, from friends, from, God forbid, social media, about who we are and what we should be doing. And the challenge is, as you become more and more sure of yourself, to be able to filter that and accept what is good and true and to reject, totally reject, anything that diminishes your self-worth. I'm addressing this to the young people, but actually we're all on that journey and it's going to go on through life. But you're in that difficult age for the next few years where you are bound to listen to parents and teachers to some extent, but you also have to find your own way. It's a challenge. But ultimately, you must take off from the orbit of your parents and your teachers. That's why I actually had this image of adolescence as astronauts because you're really about to head off on a long voyage from the safety of home and parents to something that's unknown. People will tell you what the destination is, but to be honest, out there on your own, that's when you're going to decide where to land.
and it may not be what anyone expected. Just one story about that. The woman I married, uh, Minerva, went to a, a pretty ordinary high school, like I did, and her teachers told her, don't even think about going to university. You'll probably spend the rest of your life in a shop. They actually said that. Well, she was determined to get an education. And she not only gained a PhD, the highest qualification you can get at university, but she's teaching at Adelaide University now and has taught at uh, Flinders UniSA and even the Australian National University. The point is, you're going to get those messages from other people. And the hard part is to discern the difference between healthy guidance from your parents and teachers, which makes you a better person, a more decent person, a more hard-working person, and on the other hand, those negative messages, which will also bombard you. But the more you can stay true to yourself and bear in mind those principles that we talked about earlier, the stronger you will be, the better able you will be to discern the bad messages from the healthy messages. And I'll just finish on one thing. You have an advantage that a lot of other people don't. This group of people in this room really cares about you. And for the rest of your life, this is going to be a base you can come back to where you'll be welcomed and loved. So we actually don't expect as you go on your amazing voyage into space, your each individual voyage, you might come back here occasionally, maybe never, but our prayers and good wishes go with you and you'll always be welcome back here. I just want to finish before Brendan plays with an excerpt from a song by John Denver. Now, John Denver would be well known to people my age and older. He's a very old man now. I tried to get some life advice from maybe someone more relatable, so I looked for the book of Taylor Swift's Advice on Life, but that hasn't been written yet. And then I, I tried to look up Britney Spears' Wisdom of the Ages, but that hasn't been written yet either. So you're going to get a bit of John Denver, even if you've never heard of him. But I think this expresses what a lot of us are feeling today. We believe it is here we must begin to seek the wisdom of children and the graceful way of flowers in the wind. For the children and the flowers are my sisters and brothers. Their laughter and their loveliness could clear a cloudy day. Like music of the mountains and the colours of the rainbow, they're a promise of the future and a blessing for today. And the song that I'm singing is a prayer to non-believers. Come and stand beside us. We can find a better way. We hope you've enjoyed this Expanding Horizons podcast. These podcasts are the intellectual property of the presenter. They can be used only with the express permission and appropriate acknowledgement of the presenter. This permission can be obtained by emailing admin at unitariansa.org.au. Please feel free to leave a comment or visit us on Facebook or Twitter by searching SA Unitarians or by visiting our website at unitariansa.org.au.